Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Your Bibles turn to 1 John chapter 5. We're going to be dealing with the question this evening of how to know that you're saved. How to know that you're saved. I don't know if I'll satisfactorily answer that question to everybody's desire, but we're going to deal with it this evening. And our scripture is 1 John chapter 5. The first, I think we'll read the first five verses and then jump over to verse 10. Listen to what John has to say to us. I think on this very subject. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Go to verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. We'll conclude our reading there. But look at the last portion of that last verse. Now read the whole, let's read the whole verse again. These things, that is, that which he has just spoken, these things I have written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God. For what purpose? And here's his purpose. That ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. I think we all have gone through periods in our lives of having doubt as to whether we're really saved or not. That's a human problem. And I've had many, many people say to me that they have been saved and and are no longer saved, and they're not sure now if they are saved, and if they died tonight, whether they would go to heaven or hell, and 
and all of those doubts seep into our very being and cause us to wonder whether we in fact are or are not saved at any given point in time. Doubt is one of the greatest tools that Satan uses. He will try to get us to question our salvation, to doubt whether we really are saved or not. I want us to look at some of these verses that uh, we have here from John. First of all, look at the first verse, and we'll notice some things. I'll try to go somewhat verse by verse through this. He starts off by saying, whoever, whosoever, the old English, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Notice that very straightforward statement. Whoever, there is no qualification. Even Saddam or any other heinous person that we possibly might think of. The worst bum on the streets. The most undesirable character that we can possibly put in our imagination is included in that word whoever. There is no limit to God's offer of salvation to any person. The thing that God requires, you will notice, is whoever believes. Now, I want you to go for a moment to Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, if I can read my writing. Yes. The last chapter of Revelation. The 17th verse. There's an invitation given in this verse. The Spirit and the Bride say come. The Spirit and the Church say come. And let him that hear say, Come. And let him that is thirsty come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Again, whosoever. Notice what John says here. Whosoever will. The invitation is extended to every person who will respond to come. And they can drink of the spiritual water that satisfies the thirst of the soul that is naturally there. It doesn't have to be cultivated or generated, there is a natural desire to want to know. 
to want to satisfy some craving deep down in the person's being. Unsaved people will not acknowledge this because they cannot comprehend it. Unsaved people are searching for an answer to something and they don't even know what the question is. But we know. Because we went through the same search. As Mary wondered what went on in that church when she was a little girl. That inquiry was there. There is that natural thing. And whoever regardless of age or uh, social status or color or language may come. All right, that's, that's the first thing that we can notice. But he says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. There's some problems here, and I'm not sure I'm going to answer them. I wonder if there are not more believers than we know about. Who perhaps are not even a part of the church. I just say, I'm wondering. Is born of God. You remember the story of Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews, very wealthy, influential individual, who came to Jesus after dark to inquire about these things, and, and Jesus said to him, You must be born again. And Nicodemus said, I don't understand. You mean I could go back into my mother's womb and and be born all over again? Becoming a spiritual creature is a new birth. In order to get into the family of God, there is a need for a new birth. natural love of a child until he's taught otherwise a natural love of a child for a parent he has to learn not to love his parent I think he naturally does that I would find it hard to come up with an illustration that would prove otherwise, and maybe somebody might be able to do it. But there is a natural love of the parent. Now notice what this verse says. It makes two statements that are tied together. The first statement is, whoever believes is born of God. And immediately tied to it, is an automatic assumption that if you're born of God, you love the Father. You see that? If you love God, and the scripture says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, strength, and mind. If you love God, you are in the family of God. 
A person does not believe unless he loves God. The two are tied directly together here. One might have a head knowledge to know there is a God, but to know in one's mind there is a God is not to believe. For to believe is to love. And to love is to obey. And we're going to see this just in a moment. We have lots of girls who are pregnant who have abortions because the child is illegitimate. I don't know how many illegitimate children I really know. And probably there are people who are illegitimate that don't even know they're illegitimate. But I have never yet had a child who found out he was illegitimate say, I wish mommy hadn't had me. To use the excuse of illegitimacy for terminating a pregnancy through abortion, in my mind, is totally inexcusable. For had that child been able to speak, he would have said, I want birth. Nobody that I know of, when they are in their right mind and rational, have ever said, I wish I weren't born, and mean it. And because of that birth, there is a natural love tie to a particularly the mother. Now, he says, if you believe, then you love God. If you love God, you're born again. Now, he doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, not only that you love God, but you love the person that is begotten of him. Notice that phrase? Who was begotten of the Father? First of all, Jesus Christ. He's the only begotten, the only true Son of God. The rest of us are somewhat removed from that Sonship, but he has accepted us into his family as joint heirs with Christ, assuming the same privileges as his only begotten son. So, let us consider that we believe we love God. We love God, we love the Son of God. And if we love the Son of God, we love the brothers and sisters of the Son of God. Now therefore, we can come to the point of saying a person who says, I hate you, is not a child of God. For he has violated the principle on which sonship has been established. If that is in fact true. Now, I think that there are times that people will make that statement in a fit of anger or something and really, truly not mean it. But if there is true hate, true hate 
in the heart of a person who claims to be saved, he is not saved. For the person who is saved loves the Father and therefore must love the Son and therefore must love the brothers of the Son. Or else he has violated the very basic principle of salvation. You've heard that old phrase all over the years, love me, love my dog. Listen, love God, love his son, his children. So, there's the principle. Well, I'm not going to get done tonight on the sermon. Look at verse 2. But this we know, that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. Two statements. I've already pretty well exhausted the first one. That is, we love the children of God if we love God. Okay? Matter of fact, Jesus said in John 13, 35, By this shall men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one for another. That's the true test of discipleship. Is love for each other. But look at the second statement. This is the way you know that you're saved. You love the children of God and you keep His commandments. Keep His commandments. How many times have we said, I just, I, I can't do that. I just cannot do all the Lord asks me to do. Is that true? Is it absolutely true that it is impossible for us to to complete the expectations that God has placed upon us? Just can't follow that. And are you saying to me, therefore, since I cannot obey the commandments of God that I'm not saved? I didn't say it. I'm just quoting you the scripture. I think we are in error when we make the statement that we cannot comply with the requirements that the Lord has placed upon us. In the book of Matthew chapter 11 verse 29 and 30 Jesus speaking take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek lowly in heart, and by the way, I'm going to preach a series of sermons on uh, all of those things that Jesus gave us in the Beatitudes uh, coming up, and one of them is meekness, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, and here's the reason, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now what does that mean, my yoke is easy and my burden is light? He said, Take my yoke 
upon you. Do you know what, I'm sure most of you, uh, maybe except for some of the, the younger children, would know what a yoke is. That is in the, the, the days when oxen were used to plow the fields and so on was a heavy wooden frame of a thing that had uh, two neck pieces to it that settled down over top the necks of the oxen and, and the uh, whatever they were called, I've forgotten now, it's been so long since I've seen one, come up under them, and the oxen were yoked together. Matter of fact, we're told in Scripture not to be not to unequally yoke with unbelievers. When a believer yokes up with an unbeliever, he's asking for trouble. But that's beside the point here tonight. He said, "Take my yoke up on you." In other words, get in the harness with me. Put my yoke, my yoke upon you. I remember a team of horses that my grandfather had one time. We worked 800 acres of farm with four teams of horses, and one of my responsibilities was to, uh, to work one of those teams of horses when I was pre-teens and teens. And, and in the team that I had, there was one horse that was willing to pull the whole load, and the other one was perfectly willing to let him. Jesus is saying, yoke up with me, I'll pull the load. The responsibility, the burden on you is going to be considerably less. I'll bring you with me. Put my yoke upon you. My burden, what he's saying is, the burden that I'm placing on you is going to be, be light. It's not going to be heavy. You won't have to feel laden down and burdened. Why? Because Jesus carries the load for the Christian. We cannot honestly say, I'm sorry Lord, I can't handle the load. That's to say, Lord, I don't believe that you're carrying your side of this yoke. You're expecting me to do it all, Lord. And no, the Lord isn't expecting that at all. As a matter of fact, the Lord is asking very little of us. He's got a light burden placed upon us. He wants us yoked up with him in order that he might carry the major portion of the responsibility. So for us to say, I can't do what he asks, means my commitment is not strong enough to get in the harness. And if we're not in the harness under the yoke, the question immediately arises, do we love the Father who asked us to go there? Do we love the Son who is the other side of the yoke? And do we love the people for whom we're laboring? You see the, the relationship? It comes down to love, does it not? And our willingness to take the Lord Jesus at His word and yoke up with Him. There are too many people who want to go it alone. And there are a few from this very church that I had counsel with over these past four or so years and, and one that I particularly can, can recall that I shall certainly obviously not name who always comes back with, with, with the statement it's my responsibility, I'll work it out, I'll figure out how to accomplish it and leaves the Lord totally out of the picture. 
And the person who leaves the Lord out of the picture of carrying the burden is asking for difficulties and the burden will become too great. And it cannot possibly be handled. We cannot do it by ourselves. We've got to get out of that juvenile attitude that our kids have as they're growing up when they are learning things and finally when they're ready to put their shoes on and tie them up, they finally say, I can do it by myself. And that's good, they ought to try. But if we are, as adults, making that same statement to God and saying, God, I can do it by myself, you better believe the burden is going to be great and the yoke will not be easy. It is only easy when we have thoroughly and completely trusted our lives to the Lord Jesus who is on the other side of that yoke. And so we can say with... uh, with Paul, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Yes, we can do it because of who our partner is. And that ought to be the slogan of every Christian's life. We're never alone. We have Christ on our side. Well, I want to quit. Gee whiz, that's only two verses. I don't intend to go through ten. Well, sorry about that. Do it another time. I think we can summarize the question tonight, how to know if you're saved, by each of us considering what our love relationship is. To God, to Christ, and to our brethren. Do you love You'll love God. If you do, you'll love Jesus Christ. Do you love Jesus Christ? There's one thing I know that I take comfort in. If you're a Christian, you're going to love me. And if you don't love me, you're not a Christian. You think I'm wrong in taking that stand? And I feel good about that. Because those who don't love me, I'm a child of God, and I know that. Those who don't love me, there are serious questions whether they're child of God. Because to love the Father is to love the Son, is to love the brothers and sisters of the Son. That's who we are. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.